Enjoying true crime is complicated. It's not the crimes we find pleasure in, it's the response our brain has to facing evil, but from a distance, and sometimes getting an answer to a riddle that triggers satisfaction. But listening to a podcast like this one about true crime is one thing. Imagine going even deeper, stepping into the controversial world of internet sleuths. These are the keyboard warriors looking to do some good, some with specific skills, most with just a strong passion or obsession with finding the truth. Whether you agree with their ways or not, today isn't just about the everyday true crime fan in a chat room. These are the influencers, the web detectives who made the biggest impacts on real cases. Hey, all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week, we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 influential internet sleuths. So I think true crime is one of those things that just brings people together, Mm -hmm. you know, in almost, and it's an almost like a family type kind of community connection. It is. You're right. Strong. I think it's because of that whole true part of the equation. (laughs) Oh, just that little part. (laughs) That that little true part. Because I think because it's true, this involves real people, real families, real loved ones, real connections, that it makes people feel like passionate, makes people feel angry, Mm -hmm. upset sad and ready to just like take action because we want we want to help people and people want justice in these cases so i think when you get a lot of people together like that really good things can happen especially when they want justice it's like what this whole list is about exactly and i agree with you because i think people for years have been interested in true crime Mm -hmm. but i think in recent years like you're right it has become this kind of community oh yeah and i think because of that people are realizing that they have the power to help out in these cases and that's kind of where the internet sleuths come in to save the day to save the day see Here's the thing, like with the save the day thing, I'm like, yes, do yes, it. yes. But I also have kind of a love-hate relationship with the idea of internet sleuthing. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I absolutely love it. And I, I always encourage people to spend time on cases that they feel passionate about, you know, to try to move them forward. Because, you know, new eyes and fresh perspectives are really the thing that solves crimes most of the time. Yeah. So it's a really good thing. But there is a point where overstepping can kind of become a detriment to some cases and to the loved ones involved in those cases. So as long as that like fine line is walked and not crossed, Mm -hmm. that's and then I love it. You gotta toe the line. Then I'm into it. And I think a lot of people get that. But for now, we each have five sleuths to cover, and neither of us knows who's got the sleuthiest of sleuths. (laughs) So stay tuned. Let's start the countdown. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Blair. Want to hear something scary? 
Join me as I read the creepiest urban legends, folk tales, and ghost stories that I learn on my travels around the world and that we receive from listeners like you. But only if you think you can handle it. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, sweet screams. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, the sleuths of the Grateful Doe case. Grateful Doe was the name given to an unidentified car crash victim in June 1995. He was wearing a Grateful Dead shirt with ticket stubs in his pocket. He was so badly injured that it would have been really hard for anybody to recognize him. Another victim in the crash was ID'd. That man's family also had no clue who Grateful Doe was. Enter the internet sleuths. Also, can we just take a moment to appreciate the fact that he became known as Grateful Doe? Grateful Doe is a really cool, like, that's awesome. Placeholder name. It, it is. really is. Well, Grateful Doe became a really hot topic on the Web Sleuths website for a long time, and over 180 potential IDs were ruled out on that thread over the years. Wow, that's some that's good sleuthing. Huge. That's a lot of sleuthing. It wasn't until a group led by a woman who went by the username Grey Metal began posting on Reddit that the case made progress. Okay. Also in Grateful Doe's pocket was a piece of paper. This piece of paper had two names on it. Caroline O and Caroline T. And it was written with a phone number, but without the area code. Oh, come so on. The mystery deepens. It does. It really does. Whenever there's a piece of paper in a pocket with like some kind of cryptic information yeah. on it, you know, and without the area codes, there's only the little initial for the last name, like Who's, who are these dueling Carolines? I was so going to say, know. not only is the mystery in the dueling area codes, <laughs> but also the dueling Carolines. Exactly. So for years, people tried to track down anyone that paper could have potentially been. Mm -hmm. They even tracked down people who were at the same concert. Because obviously, if they were coming from there, maybe they met them there. Yeah. Then Grateful Doe's own mother <gasps> replied to a Facebook post and replied, OMG, this is my son. Oh my goodness. It was in early 2015, almost 20 years after his death. My entire body right now is chilling. My brain just blew apart all over the laundry Can room. you imagine? Yeah, it's insane. 20 years later, you find out via Facebook? Yeah, and she identified him as Jason Callahan, who had been on the road following the Grateful Dead back then and disappeared. DNA tests? confirmed his identity. Wow. Yeah. Nine. At number nine is Jalopnik Commenters. 
Most of the web sleuths on this list are fixtures of online forums dedicated to solving missing persons cases and unsolved crimes. But in 2012, readers of Jalopnik, the car blog, were asked to assist investigators in solving a fatal hit and run when all they had to go on was a piece of a vehicle they couldn't identify. This is wild. I love saying Jalopnik. I just like to throw that out there. It's a great word. Well, in April 2012, Betty Wheeler was killed in Waynesboro, Virginia. While out for a walk, she was struck by a vehicle that just didn't stop. But the driver left behind a small piece of the car. They always do. Yeah, There's they always do. a piece of them on you and a piece of you on them. That's so weird Remember to that. think about, but it's true. Now, authorities asked the car blog Jalopnik to post a photo of the car part. And according to Jalopnik, it took only minutes for their readers to correctly identify the piece from a Ford F-150 from the early 2000s. Man! Which, fun fact, is the kind of car I learned how to drive on. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) When authorities received a separate tip about the hit and run, which led them to, lo and behold, an early 2000s Ford F-150, they knew chances were good that they had the right vehicle. And two suspects were arrested. What? This is crazy! I know! That they only had a piece of a car. And all because of Jalopnik. In minutes. In minutes. It's so crazy. And authorities said that Jalopnik's help was critical. It helped secure a search warrant and they gave Jalopnik a special commendation for their work. That's amazing. Right? They should. As a result, Jalopnik started a series that they called To Catch a Car in hopes of repeating their success. Yes. To be determined if that actually happened. Love that. Love that. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of influential internet sleuths is Rebecca Heath. We talked about the Bearbrook murders in our State Park Crimes episode. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible case. Yeah, it's a doozy. That's where four bodies were found inside two steel barrels years apart in the Allenstown, New Hampshire park. Their identities weren't confirmed until 2017 and 2019. One of the victims was ID'd thanks to a librarian and amateur sleuth named Rebecca Heath. Get it, Rebecca. Rebecca. So Rebecca told People Magazine that she's always been moved by Jane Doe cases. I get that. So see, it's a passionate person. It is. That's what you need. Police had been working the case since the first barrel was found in 1985, containing the bodies of a grown woman and one child. The second, containing two more bodies, was found in June 2000. What that's is why this case so crazy? That's why this case was so wild. It really was. Eventually, Terry Rasmussen was named as the killer. He died in 2010. But in 2016, they used his DNA to determine he was the father of one of the four victims. Bananas. But who are the other three? Well, Rebecca Heath wanted to know. So she started digging into genealogy sites, missing persons websites, and message boards. So she was going like ham on this. She really was. Rebecca, Rebecca, give her a badge. She came across a missing woman while doing this, and her name was Marlise Honeychurch. Her family said Marlise was last seen with a man named Rasmussen. Whoop, there it is. And that's not a name you hear all the time. No, so it's, it's like, not. Um, well, DNA tests were done, and Rebecca's hunch about Marlise proved to be right. She was one of the four victims. Wild. Isn't that insane? It really is. Rebecca! Seven. At number seven this week is 
the DNA Doe Project and the Lavender Doe Case. Right before Halloween 2006, the body of a young woman wearing a lavender shirt was found badly burned in East Texas. And the crime had happened very recently. So recently that the fire was still burning when she was discovered. The big breakthrough in the case came 12 years later with the help of volunteers using genetic genealogy to identify 21-year-old Dana Lynn Dodd. The people who figured out Lavender Doe's identity were all volunteers working with a nonprofit called DNA Doe Project. The DNA Doe Project was founded in 2017 to use sophisticated genetic testing of DNA samples to find extended families, not just immediate families. Which I think it is so cool that they can do that. Now. I know. Like, it's crazy. It will never make sense in my brain, and but it it's really, the coolest. Yeah, when it came out during the Golden State Killer case, it was like, wait. You yeah. can do that? That's <laughs> like, when it really like hit you yeah. that you're like, oh, okay. Oh. Now, like most internet sleuths, this group spent countless hours working on a project together without ever meeting in real life. I kind of love that. I do too. <laughs> it bonded them together via the interwebs. Yes. The nonprofit also has to fundraise the cost of running the sophisticated genetic testing in addition to putting in the work. Yeah, you don't even think of that part. Yeah, it's expensive. These things are not free. Now, the DNA Doe Project announced in 2018 that it had matched Lavender Doe's DNA with that of a missing person, Dana Lynn Dodd from Jacksonville, Florida. Dodd's killer was also found and convicted. Amazing! A happy day! Six. Also on our list at number six is Celia Blay, who helped to take down a deadly catfish named William Melkert Dinkle. Celia outed the identity of the Minnesota man who catfished people online and got them to enter into suicide packs with him, oh my gosh. obviously never intending to take part himself. He was finally convicted of assisting two people in taking their own lives. If not for Celia being relentless in her sleuthing, there could have been more. This sounds like, do you remember that movie that we watched together where that happened? Yes, Chat Room. Yeah, it sounds exactly like that. It's a great movie, but it's terrifying. It does sound exactly like that. It's horrific. Wow, I wonder if it was like inspired. That's what I was thinking. I gotta think of the years. Yeah. Let's go check that out. BRB. Cecilia is a retired teacher and grandmother in England who loves horses. Well, I'm already obsessed with Celia. She initially went on to grief sites after her parents died. Oh, Celia. Her sleuthing began after an internet friend in South America let her know she entered into a pact with another young woman. Hmm. Celia convinced her friend to give her the name of this nurse. Oh, it was a nurse too. Wow. Celia reached out and realized this person had entered into more suicide packs across various sites and chat rooms. She then worked with an online friend to catch the person's real identity and realized that they were dealing with a middle-aged man. Since she's not super tech-savvy, she got help to track his IP address. Wow. Police were not helpful, so Celia turned to a fellow horse girl who lived in the same state as William Melkert Dinkle. She was finally able to track down an officer who would help her out. Despite it being a complex case, he was ultimately convicted, served six months in jail, and remains on a 10-year probation. That's amazing. Go Celia. Horse girls for the win. Yes. Wow, that last one, I feel like it was definitely based on the movie, the chat room movie. That's crazy. Yeah. I love Celia. I do too. 
I the the one where the when the mother comes into the Facebook group and is like, "That's my like, Grateful Doe." That, that's I can't imagine what anybody who saw that must have just like had their brain explode. Seriously, what? What else are we gonna run into? Here? I don't know. I'm a little scared. The CIA. They're the first line of defense for the United States, analyzing intelligence to thwart any possible threats and keep us safe. Some of their involvements are made public, and others aren't. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast, and in honor of America's birthday, we're uncovering the cases you were never supposed to know about in the new series, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. From international assassination plots and mind control experiments to catastrophic cover-ups and secret societies fit for film, sift through the agency's most questioned and controversial affairs. Each week, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition exposes the covert operations intended to protect us from conflicts, but end up creating conspiracies. Where does the truth lie? Where do the lies end? And how much do we really want to know? Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of influential internet sleuths. Starting off the second half of our list is Todd Matthews and the Tent Girl case. In May of 1968, the body of a woman was discovered in Scott County, Kentucky, wrapped up in a tarp. No information helped identify her until an early internet sleuth started working on the case in the late 80s and dedicated over a decade of his life to finding the real identity of Tent Girl, Barbara Ann Hackman Taylor. Some call Todd Matthews the first or at least one of the original internet sleuths, which is why he's so influential. Todd had a strange connection to the case too. It was his own father-in-law who actually found Barbara Ann's body in 1968. Oh, wow. Isn't that bananas? That'll inspire you. It certainly will. He spent his days working in a factory and went home and worked on trying to identify Tent Girl. Todd had lost two siblings when they were really young and couldn't stand to think about Tent Girl's siblings out there not knowing what had happened to their sister. Be still my heart. So, like, the most wholesome man ever. That's such a pure, like, inspiration or motivation for doing this. It really is. Now, at first, Todd did a lot of work before the internet was really even readily available to most people. But once he got online, he realized the internet was the place to reach more people and faster. Now, in 1998, while reading classifieds, he came across one written by a woman who was looking for her sister, Barbara Ann, who had disappeared in 1967 and was last seen in Kentucky. 
wild, right? Can you imagine? His heart probably dropped into his toes. I know. After working yeah. on it for years and years, he's like, this could be That's it. That's it. Now, Todd had found Tent Girl's family and her real name, but Barbara Ann's murder is still unsolved. Oh, no. I know. I want to know who did it. Ooh, such a high to such a low. Maybe Todd's working on it, though. I bet he is. Four. Landing at number four this week is amateur sleuth Ellen Leach and the Gregory May case. Ellen is credited with helping ID at least five does. Wow. Yeah. Perhaps the most well-known case involves the murder of Greg May, a Civil War antique dealer and father of two who disappeared one day. Just before his accused killer went to trial without a body as evidence, Gregory May's remains were identified, thanks to Ellen Leach. Wow, that is like wild. I I love this Ellen. Talk about a last second kind of thing. This is an Ellen we should all know and love. Yes, it is. So in 2001, Gregory May went missing in Iowa. His abandoned car and wallet were found three months later. When some antiques went up for auction that had belonged to Gregory, attention suddenly turned to his old roommate who was selling those antiques, Doug DeBruin. Hey, Doug. What are what you, are you doing, doing, Doug? Why you got that stuff, Doug? Let's talk, Doug. We gotta talk to Doug. So Doug was arrested, and his girlfriend told police that Doug had murdered Gregory, but there was very little to actually connect him to the murder. There was no body and no proof Gregory wasn't still alive somewhere, uh, which is the worst. Yup. Because then everybody starts speculating. Maybe mm -hmm. they just took off. Maybe they're starting a new life somewhere. Try to fill in the blank. Exactly. Then they found Gregory's skull buried in a bucket filled with concrete. Oh, goodness. Police have no idea who their victim is, so they get an artist to create a reconstruction on what this person would look like based on the unidentified skull. While volunteering for the Doe Network, Ellen came across Gregory's case and made the connection between his disappearance and now the unidentified skull. Also, can we take a second to say how cool it is that they can recreate a face just with the skull? That always blows my mind. It's bonkers. That blows my, like anthropologists and like forensic anthropologists, they're some of the most like admirable people. Seriously. You're like, how does your brain do that? Right. How? Tell it's me. It's insane. It's amazing, though, what your bones will tell people. It it's is, crazy. yeah, you're right. So Ellen submitted the match to the detective on the case, and dental records confirmed the idea as Gregory. Boom! Now prosecutors had a body and an obvious murder on their hands. Go Ellen. Ellen saves the day. Ellen for the win. Three. Number three on our countdown of influential internet sleuths is Carl Koppelman. Carl got his start after he stumbled upon web sleuths and became increasingly involved. As an artist, he reconstructs what unidentified victims probably looked like in life with a digital illustration. That's so cool. Kind of like what we were just talking about. Exactly. Perhaps the most famous Doe he has helped identify is Caledonia Jane Doe, or Callie Doe, now known to be Tammy Joe Alexander. It was J.C. Lee Dugart's case when she escaped from her captors in 2009 after 18 years that led Carl to the phenomenon of amateur detectives working together in online forums. 
Tammy Jo Alexander's body was found in November 1979 in a cornfield in upstate New York. She'd been shot and nobody knew who she was. She became known as Caledonia Jane Doe for the town in which she was discovered. Carl first created one of his illustrations of her in 2010 and had made small revisions and finishing touches to it over the years to the point that he knew her face well. Around 2015, he came across Tammy Joe's name in the National Missing and Unidentified Person system. He combined the facts in the case along with his picture, her name, and the details of her disappearance to make the connection. A DNA test was done to confirm what Carl already knew, and Caledonia Jane Doe was officially recorded as Tammy Joe Alexander in 2015. But who killed her remains a mystery. <sighs> The OC Register reported that as of 2017, Carl has completed 200 portraits. Wow. Carl for the win now. Carl and Ellen. We got a whole team. We got a squad. All these sleuths for the win. Oh, man. This is insane. I'm wait. I was waiting for one when I was first reading this, and I got it. Oh, I Coming probably know who it so, is. Though. Yeah, so, and I was like, it's got to be on here. Because when I didn't get it, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I feel like we're thinking of the same person. Probably. So let's go find out. Let's see. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of influential internet sleuths. At number two is the late Michelle McNamara, who's famous for her sleuthing work on the Golden State Killer case. I knew she was going to be on here. Michelle is a true crime author who spent years researching the then unsolved case of the Golden State Killer, a nickname she coined. When Joseph James D'Angelo was arrested in 2018, many of Michelle's fans credited her with bringing renewed interest to the cold case. And they were right. They absolutely were. Michelle was active on forums and had a blog about the case she researched called True Crime Diary. She brought a lot of positive attention to web sleuthing. She was kind of like the OG web sleuth. She really was. And she was amazing at it. Yeah. Amazing. And she's an amazing writer. She is. When she first became obsessively interested in the case, she would post about it on a cold case files message board. When authorities were asked after D'Angelo's arrest if Michelle's work helped in the Golden State Killer case, they said no. Did they really? But her fans, including her husband, actor and comedian Patton Oswalt, disagreed and pointed out that even calling the case by the nickname she coined was crediting her work. Yeah, obviously. Like, what are you doing? Why would they say no? Yeah. According to a Vanity Fair article, she actually did actively help authorities working the case by digitizing hard copy files. Um, hello? It's like they just don't want to give her the credit. It's insane. Because it's such a big case. She was nearly finished with a book about the case when she passed away in 2016. And actually, Billy Jensen helped finish that book. Yeah. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book. You should read it. Although she had not gotten this far yet, Michelle wanted to look into ways to use more advanced DNA testing, believing that this was one way they were going to finally catch the Golden State Killer. And she was right. She was completely right.
one. That brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 influential internet sleuths, Barbara Ray Venter. Ah. Uh-huh. It was Barbara, a volunteer genetic genealogist, who finally answered the question, who was the Golden State Killer, by using DNA research tools to track down Joseph James D'Angelo. Yes, Barbara. We love Babs. Not only is she one of the most influential internet sleuths, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people of the year in 2019. Oh, wow. Like, quite the credit. Yeah. Barbara creates profiles on genealogy websites for unknown perpetrators whose DNA she has access to, then builds out a family tree until she finds a close family tie. Oh, I love this so much. It's so cool. But there has been some controversy over the ways in which genetic genealogy works when it comes to helping solve crimes. But there's no denying that it works. No. It was because of her work as a search angel that she became involved in the case of Lisa, a woman who was then in her 30s who was working with law enforcement to track down her family tree because it was suspected that she had been kidnapped as a toddler. That's horrifying. Certainly is. Barbara spent thousands of hours on the Lisa case and discovered her mother was Denise Bowden, who had been missing since 1981. Through a wild and twisting case, all of this eventually led to Barbara helping confirm that Terry Rasmussen from number eight was in fact behind the Bear Brook murders in New Hampshire. Whoa, it all comes full circle. That, yeah, this countdown really did. So twisty turny. Yeah, and Barbara refers to this as the first time law enforcement relied upon genetic genealogy as a way to solve a case. Barbara now works for Gene by Gene in Texas, heading up their investigative genetic genealogy unit. Oh, okay, Barbara. You know, just that. Just that, that little thing. All right, you know what? I think I think it could have been a tie for number one. I'm not going to lie. You want a Michelle to be number one? I do. I want Michelle well, to be number one. Well, it kind of was a tie, I feel like. Yeah, it feels like it should have been. Yeah. It, that was a hard top two. It really was. To figure out. But I, I think I would have wanted Michelle. Michelle in number one. I guess That's that. just me, though. We love Michelle. We do love Michelle, but we love Babs, too. We, we do. We love them all. But and you know what? I can't think of any. I know. I was actually going to say, we also love the podcast research gods, and I'm kind of bummed that I can't prove them wrong. I know. We, you time. know, we love to spice you up. And it's been a while. It has. You've been just killing it. No pun intended. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, follow A Morbid Podcast on Twitter or Morbid Podcast on Instagram. And we'll be back next Monday with a great episode, and maybe you guys should start an internet sleuthing job in the meantime. Do it, we'll help you, squad. Ah. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Mickey Taylor. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash and Alina Urquhart. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast. 
Every Thursday on Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, we're uncovering secrets hidden deep within the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency to bring you a special collection of episodes from shows across our network. Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen free only on Spotify. 